Welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly discussion of culture, news, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most fascinating city between Omaha and Salt Lake. Each week on the show, we discuss three topics, then dispense some love and hate. This week, October 4th edition, the ugly three ballot measures 60, 61, and Prop 101, tax cutting gun gun amok, the tyranny of the pitchfork mob, or something else. Also, can Denver be a filmmaking capital, or why the Denver Post can't just write a profile of a local prank? And finally, a best and worst and in-between of the Denver web world. Uh, With me in the studio are Jared Mayer, staff writer for FaceTheState.com, Joel Warner, staff writer for Westward, and I am washed-up author and journalist John Dicker. Quick plug, we are available on iTunes. Go to the iTunes store. Go to search. Go to Denver Diatribe. You can subscribe. Um, also, we're on Facebook and Twitter at Denver Diatribe. Please follow us. We toss stuff out all the time, don't we, Jared? That's right. And last week we tossed out, or John, you tossed out the who. What are the faces that you would put on Mount Rapmore Hip Hop? Who are the people that you'd put up there? Uh, and on the Facebook page, looks like Jason Mueller says, "Cool Keith, Jay Z, KRS One, and Rakim." M.W. Buck says M.F. Doom, Eminem, Vinny, Vinny Paz, and Brother Ali. And Ben Corbett, our friend Ben, says Grandmaster Flash, Bob Dylan, and Moses. <laughs> what the heck's going on over there? Anyway, thank you for your suggestions for Mount Ratmore. It's going to get built, motherfucker. We're working um, on it as we speak. All right, let's get into the ugly three. Three uh, ballot measures, 60-61, and then a Proposition 101. The opponents to these measures are a real wide coalition of labor, liberal groups, but then also you have conservative Republicans who are out against it. The um, state chamber of commerce, if I'm not mistaken, is very opposed to this. Jared, you've followed this. Why? um, Take it from here. Okay, well, this, uh, for people that don't know, you know, they're starting to see these yard signs up or uh, have noticed some of these television ads. 60, 61, and 101, the ugly three. Job-killing measures that will trigger a second recession. 73,000 jobs gone. 8,000 teachers lost. No bonding for roads, schools, or water projects. Radical policies in the service of radical ends. Don't let them hurt Colorado. People in government and all these other people are saying is that these initiatives will essentially cause Colorado to shut down as we know it. They say it's going to cause a a loss of thousands and thousands of jobs. Uh, That can be debated, but they they certainly will have a a humongous impact on the way that the state government down to the local school board can raise funds and and spend money. You know, I read something like thousands of teachers could potentially be laid off. Is that hyperbole, alarmism, or is that, I mean, is that legitimate? The the one that that deals with is Amendment 60, which deals with property taxes. And and, and Amendment 60, just within Amendment 60, there's five or six things in there. I mean, they really packed a lot of different pieces into into just this one amendment. Amendment 60 is going to cut the amount of property taxes that can go toward a local school district. And that cut for, for the school district, that's going to have to be made up by the state. It's like $1.5 mil- that they'd have to put toward school districts all of a sudden. That's going to come out of the general fund budget. So, it, I mean, I think that it, it would tremendously reduce the amount of money 
that can go to some of these public schools. Yeah, there was some Western Slope uh, school district. I, don't know, I can't remember if it was Grand Junction or Montrose or something. There was some report saying that, but if this thing actually goes about and passes, it's going to be something like 66 professional uh, teachers left for the entire school district. There's going to be like classes of like dozens and dozens of kids and like one and, like one teacher. And I mean, the other thing that's interesting that I've kind of read is that the backers of this amendment are very, they're not out in front of it. There's no public face for, you know, these amendments that, that I'm aware of. Uh, no one's out there stumping for it. And it's, you know, the, the Colorado Springs Independent blog, the piece where they tried to email the backers and they got a really kind of snotty response saying, just use our website. We're not going to, you know, give you any informa additional information on strategy. That would be political suicide. And what it leads people to believe in some cases is that the real strategy here is voters going into the, the ballot uh, booth, seeing the wording and think, well, I'm against taxes, so I'm going to check this without realizing the, the implications. And, and it just looks really attractive. I mean, you know, voting to have your vehicle registration tax drop to $10 a year. I mean, that is, I mean, who wouldn't want to vote for that? I mean, unless yeah. you really know the backstory, you know, you know, I mean, that's why these people are really afraid that no matter how many people come out against this, no matter how unified the front is against these things, that these things could still very well pass. But they've had some polling that, you know, that shows that at least 51 percent of voters in the last polling were willing to vote for the, you know, the cut in vehicle tax. People who are in the know know exactly who's behind this. It's it's Douglas Bruce from Colorado Springs, who the father of the Tabor, Tabor. Amendment, you know, he was the Tea Party before the Tea Party was cool. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, I mean, he, he's, he's like and the Douglas OG. Bruce, he is, he is the OG. Cool. Except I don't even think that he's really involved with the Tea Party. Yeah, that's actually a good question. I mean, why, you know, why isn't he kind of honorary figure in the Tea Party? he's odious. He, I mean, <laughs> I, I've had to interview him. I don't know if you have. He is just insufferable. And yet the rest of the Tea Party is so charismatic and, and engaging. Well, a, a bit more than, than okay, Doug Bruce. Okay, well, anyways, you were... <laughs> there, people have been trying to pin it on Doug Bruce. The uh, opponents to these measures, uh, Mark Gruskin, he actually took it to court, and they tried to get Douglas Bruce to come in to testify about how these were actually put on the ballot, and he pretty much refused. And they had to... Uh, he was held in contempt of court. They had to come and finally bring him in, and, and I don't know ultimately what, what came of it, but which it is, like Which is actually kind of funny. Off. It's almost as if Doug Bruce knows how horrible he is as a a person that he knows that he'd be a liability to his own initiatives. Well, I mean, I, I think that to come from the perspective of the people that are promoting this, what they see these initiatives as is a way to plug all of the holes of the Tabor Amendment. Tabor, by the way, passed in 1992, restricts the amount of money that governments can keep uh, from taxes, mandates that uh, governments can't raise taxes without a vote of the people. And what's occurred over the last 20 years, you know, cities, municipalities, special districts, the state government has gotten tremendously creative at finding ways to get around Tabor. If you want to raise taxes, you have to get, go to a vote of the people but nobody wants no politician ever wants to go and ask but, I mean, for a tax rate I mean, so so what governments can what governments do is they can go and impose quote unquote fees but i mean my question to this is i mean who are these people i mean who are these people who i mean are these people who are who have so much money that they don't need to worry about school districts or they or do they own like hovercrafts so they don't have to worry about road conditions i mean who are these people who are so just obsessed with making sure that we're just not at all taxed or we don't have any real government services. Small government libertarians. I well, mean, they're probably I mean, extreme libertarians yeah, but it's so because extreme. so many 
conservative Republicans are coming out against these. I think that actually puts them in this kind of tricky place. I mean, you have this year where Republicans, you know, are desperate to tie themselves to the anti-tax movement, the small government, you know, and oppose the federal government and the whole, you know, kind of jump on the Tea Party bandwagon. But this stuff is so extreme that, you know, Republicans know they can't even support this. And they'll they'll be running for cover if it gets enacted in in a big way. And yeah, that's that's it's kind of a similar position where a lot of Republicans are on abortion, where is if Roe v. Wade ever got overturned, they'd have a lot of hell to pay and there'd be an enormous political realignment because it's a great thing to rail on perpetually. And then once you have constituents who are facing serious health needs, it's a new ballgame. I think that Douglas Bruce and this group of um, anti-tax, anti-government, or or at least small government ideologues, I think that they could care less what the mainstream Republicans think about this. They they pack so many things into these amendments. I mean, it's so far-reaching. I think that if they would have pared it down, they would have been able to get support from a lot of Republicans, Republican politicians in Colorado. I think it's but Douglas they don't Bruce. care. I think that Douglas Bruce, for him, this is just like a humongous middle finger to uh, the Republican establishment in Colorado that has shunned him, that has laughed at him, that uh, wouldn't give him the time of day when he spent his glorious what was it like a, a eight months or a year as a county in, commissioner? In, or well, well, no, he went he went as a uh, representative. Right, right. Yeah, um, and kicked and he, and, kicked I reporters mean, in the face, and, and, and they would not uh, they would not touch him with the ten foot pole. Well, even think... people in his own, even other Republicans. So I think that he's just saying. I know I can do this. I still have the ability to go and and put these ballot initiatives initiatives on, well, and people will pass it because they mean, hate the, taxes. Yeah, the very fact that he can do this, I think we should talk a little bit about that because I think this is one more example of how Colorado's ridiculously low bar to get these initiatives onto the ballot. Like, like what is it you need? Like seventy six thousand signatures to get either one of these initiatives or actually constitutional amendment onto the ballot. And I think it's the lowest in the country. And that's supposed to be a, kind of speak to our libertarian roots to be able to still control our own government. But in some ways, it's like it almost has this opposite effect where you have these like special interest groups kind of coming in and putting these very kind of extreme um, initiatives out there. Where you end up with so many different random laws that actually end up controlling us more. Because you know we because you have this this great ability to throw whatever the hell we want to well, right I mean, on the ballot. It's, it's a double edged sword, right? Like I think that people's perspective on whether or not the initiative process is good or bad depends on if they think the initiatives are good and bad. Let's yeah. not forget that Colorado's, Colorado's medical marijuana law was passed by citizen initiative, by someone going out and getting the votes and putting it on the ballot and, and putting, you know, voters being able to do what politicians are too chicken shit to do sometimes. And that, and that's, that, so Can that's you a think perspective of any other of initiative that, you know, that is now considered that people are still pretty supportive of, that wouldn't have been point. able why to happen. We, why don't we throw that out on Twitter and yeah. Facebook so we should probably move on. But we'll, we'll throw that, like, good initiatives that have come through the initiative yeah. process um, that we just that escape us right now. Yeah. The, the Mount Rushmore of initiatives. The Mount Ratmore. The, of, the anti-Tabor. Uh, if you had four ballot measures that you could put on the face of Mount Rushmore in Colorado, sexy, sexy. what would they be? Okay. Anyway. Let's move on to uh, uh, Lisa Kennedy, the Denver Post film critic, did a profile of Michael Leibowitz, who is uh, a former accountant and I think oil industry executive who now hangs out at various uh, kind of Tony Cherry Creek hotel bars, drinking Coke and more or less 
telling uh, telling attractive women that they're going to be stars, that he sees star potential. But he wants to turn Denver into a kind of uh, second coming of Hollywood in its golden age. And Lisa Kennedy wrote what I thought was a somewhat lazy and shoddy profile. Is this guy going to redevelop, uh, you know, turn Denver into a new Hollywood? No, he isn't. He's a crank. All you have to do is look at how many feature films have been Name three feature films that have been shot here in the last 10 years. Imagine that with Eddie Murphy, which I've seen. And that was in, in 2000? It was in 2008. Okay. Catch and Release had some scenes, just a few scenes in Boulder, even though it was supposed to be based in Boulder. And Mr. and Mrs. Smith is kind of the, the big one that Colorado kind of showcases, and yet it probably had. I don't even know if the actual, the actual, actual filming in Glenwood Canyon actually made it into the film, but I mean, it's a pretty well, sad. I, can you think of any, any well, I, I actually I actually do have a, a list I made of films that have been made in Colorado, according to the state's website. Let's, uh, Bowling for Columbine was on the <laughs> list. Uh, Silver City, the John Sayles movie. That was that was a pretty good one. That was in 2004. Alfred Packer, the musical. That was in the 90s. That was in 1996. So yes. we're making a big jump. Uh, I guess Dumb and Dumber had some scenes filled in here. The Stand. We, in, but, in the in the 80s, Perry Mason was uh, making a pretty well, pretty big push for Colorado. But well, it, that it, was it's a very we, thin Yeah, TV thin was big list. here in the 1980s, but not since then. Yeah. I mean, though, even before I get that, I mean, my big question is, why do we care so much? Why do why people so obsessed? With bringing the movie industry to Colorado, I mean, really, like, like, what is it going to Colorado to, to have all these movies filmed here? I mean, shouldn't we be kind of spending our time and our resources on something else? Say, like, our struggling schools would be like, man, we need to have movies filmed here. You know, we need to get Brad Pitt back here to be filming movies. I mean, why do we well, need it is, you know, It is a vital industry. You know what I mean? It, film and television, there, it, it brings money. Uh, it also shines a spotlight on the city. You know, even in a weird way, you could say, like, when I watch Breaking Bad, I'm like, man, I'd be cool if Breaking Bad was set in Denver, <laughs> even though it's about meth production. But, you know, it still you know, keeps the city in, in the spotlight, which can be... I mean, I, I think that there, there is a really legitimate case for trying to encourage film and television and the entertainment industry to, to locate in a particular city because it has, you know, more than just having a, a film shot there or something like that and being able to say, hey, look, there's my street on television. It encourages a lot more businesses that are associated with right. that industry. Post- Animators, post-production. I mean, everything from, you know, a major film comes into this, comes in and films in your area. I mean, they can they can dump millions and millions and millions of dollars into the local economy because they need caterers. They need hotels. They need all you know all the production they need, equipment. They need teamsters. They need and lots of teamsters. The, the, the real the real debate that's been going on is should Colorado offer the same types of tax incentives that other states like New Mexico, uh, Louisiana, like in Montreal. One. I think they do a lot. Or in Canada, I mean, I mean that's. A- that's the thing. I mean, you know, we've tried all these different things. He's like, you know, I think there's like a revitalized film commission and we have these crazy kind of cranks talking about kind of starting their own companies. Clearly, the only thing that really brings in kind of productions are these tax incentives. I mean, you know, unless, unless Carl is willing to double down and offer the same level of tax incentives, right, and, and just so we're clear, nothing New, else is going to work. New Mexico, which has seen, I mean, they have, you know, multiple feature films you know, every year shooting there. Yeah, they have, they, they have, they have major, studios there. Yeah, they have major, you know, major post-production facilities. My f- best friend, you know, was a produ- is a production accountant and moved. And why do they have that And there? moved from L.A. to Albuquerque because he can, uh, he can make the same money and afford a house, yeah. you know. So, but why, they have, so why is that happening? It's a 25% rebate, and it yeah. doesn't matter if you're doing a million-dollar super indie film or a, you know, uh, 16-week major, you know, 
major motion picture, it's still a 25%. Yeah, and, and there's actually there's actually things where they there'll be shots that they need where it, it needs to be in Colorado, like the setting in the movie is Colorado, but they will actually film it in Albuquerque or in New Mexico because they can apply for these tax incentives. And by the way, Colorado does have tax incentives, but it's only 10% can go across the Well, cheating, loca- and- cheating locations, we should mention, is nothing. There's so many films set in New York shot in uh, Vancouver or, or you know, Toronto. Like, that's been going on for forever. And, that, and this is the context of, this is like sort of the political economic context of Hollywood where no one wants to shoot in L.A. because it's so expensive. So it's all going up to Canada or to um, or to New Mexico, Louisiana. I, I, I mean, I would, be, I would be in support of offering more incentives to bring... Uh, more of the entertainment industry to Colorado, basically because we don't have it now. If we can entice a lot of these productions to come to Colorado, even though we're having to sort of rebate some of their taxes, it'll be money and industry that isn't here right now. And we give, you know, we provide tax incentives for all sorts of industries and businesses, oil and gas, you know, new energy, things like that. I mean, millions and millions and millions of dollars in tax incentives go to those types of industries. Why not the entertainment industry? Yeah, I, and there's I, another, you know, there's another benefit too. I mean, you know, we've talked a bit about about how Denver, Colorado, doesn't have much of a national identity. I was kind of this kind of amorphous concept. And you can definitely speak to the fact that when certain films or TV shows kind of come in and film in a certain city, it, it kind of helps lend that city a certain kind of demeanor. You know, a certain kind of that city becomes a character in these films. It helps kind of shape the national identity. So, if you guys toggle the money. And the ability, what type of kind of film or TV show would you want to see filmed here to help shape Denver's identity? I would want to see The Wire, <laughs> but instead about Baltimore, it would be Denver. It, given it would be much less entertaining there. I would, I would want to see The Wire. <laughs> Except it would all be legal and it would all be medical marijuana. And what would you want to see? Uh, I think I actually was, uh, now that you mentioned it, I was thinking of my own idea or my kind of my friend and I came up with it together of, of someone who goes around to the religious right and he's kind of just a, a cad, but he tries to convince, you know, hot young Christian chicks that he, he might be gay so that they'll sleep with him to prevent him from the worst sin of homosexuality. And he's just a total cad and racks up all these enemies among, you know, kind of like the very pure, otherwise purity ball-going Christian girls of Colorado Springs. That's I like fucking, that. That's a fucking series. I like that. I think Ted Danson should play Ted Haggard. <laughs> <laughs> but a, a seriously, a serious, like, a drama set in kind of the evangelical culture of, of Colorado Springs, say, could work. I know, you know, maybe you're tired of that. Maybe it sounds too much like big love. But... So it'll be like Gossip Girls, but with evangelical Christian chicks? Oh, that hot. sounds really entertaining. Why not, on our Facebook page, throw out some some shows you'd like, or, or movies that you would like to see in Denver. I will just, real quick, Michael Leibowitz, he's been kicked out of, like, he's been kicked out of the Capitol Grill and some other place. Like, there's probably a reason for that. I don't know. But it just made him seem... Uh, it just you should just do a, a straight up crank profile. Yeah, rather I mean, than... I, I didn't think that the the I think that the problem was the subject and and sort of the constraints that she put herself in in trying to write the article. I think that it, it became well, difficult. They've written because... the filming and color story what like fifteen times in the past three years, so I don't really. It's like they don't want to write the same old rerun they have. This is a guy who's been telling people that his script has been attached with a star actor. Uh, who's going to direct it, and now that star uh, wrote a cease and desist letter to... And they didn't name the star actor, and I really wanted to know who the yeah, actor was. Yeah, but he's not, no longer allowed to say that. So this guy has a real <laughs> you know, credibility problem, perhaps. But, I mean, okay, one more thing to add. Even though this guy was a crank, I do think that there are some prime spots where Denver is already you know, established itself film-wise that could grow. The Stars International Film Festival, I don't know if you guys have ever been to that. That's yeah. actually really fun to go to. The Colorado Film School out there in Lowry. 
no one really knows about them, but they actually do a lot of stuff. And what was the film that just came out last year that some local uh, people Skills did? Like This by Monty Miranda, which actually, you know, I didn't hate that film. Actually, that was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Ringing endorsement uh, no, from no, Joe Warner. No, I like, no, mine is burning mine. I think it's a pretty good film. All right. Let's, let's move on to uh, topic number three, a local wound, uh, roundup of the web, which is just an excuse for us to, to share, share some love uh, on various sites that maybe you don't know about. Jared. Oh, d- yeah. Endeavor's web culture is so scattered that when, I've, when, I've, when I find something that's actually like a good locally-based or Colorado-based site, it's, I, I really latch onto it. One that I found the other day is called denveronaspit.com. And it's basically a food blog. I don't know who it's written by, but um, the guy goes out and goes to all these really kind of cool restaurants and will actually sneak into the into the back areas and like take photos of the uh, of the workers and the and the chefs and things like that. And it's just a, it's just a fun thing to check out. Another one that I like. I don't know. It's, this isn't a blog necessarily, but the Denver Police Department posts photographs, mugshots of every single man. Or every single person who's been convicted of soliciting a prostitute. It's called John's TV. <laughs> not not John Dicker's TV, but it's called John's TV. <laughs> and it was in 2002. They came up with this big idea. Okay, we're going to start doing this whole television show and we'll shame guys yeah. into stop uh, you know, going out and getting hookers. And somewhere along the way, they maybe lost funding for that. But they still <laughs> post all of these photos on this section of the website that I'm sure nobody ever goes to. It's really hard, but I can post the link. But it, but it is entertaining if you want to see some. Who, who, are, who are the group of uh, Denverites that are going out and getting busted for picking up hookers? Yeah, the photo that looks like me, that's not me. I swear. Joel, what do you got? My two recommendations. One, denverinfill.com, uh, the blog run by Ken Schroepel. Uh, I will uh, I'll stop you. Joel has been talking to me about this site for like three years now. So, yeah. I talk about it a lot. I think yes. it's a great site. I mean, somehow this guy has been able to make the concepts of development and zoning compelling and fascinating and colorful to even people who really couldn't care about it. The second one is um, DenverOpenMedia.com, which is uh, the company that has now taken over uh, public access TV here in Denver. And what they do is they let people actually kind of vote on their different shows, like YouTube. I'm going to, I don't have time to talk about it, but I will. Because I love and hate it at the same time, I will uh, endorse uh, Westward's Cafe Society blog because it gives me like they had a great interview with uh, Kelly Lichen, um, the Top Chef. Uh, from uh, she she got I think to number four, she was the fourth person eliminated. Um, and I, I did have a dream that I was romantically involved with her. That's all I'll say. But uh, <laughs> but I, I do kind of have a little crush on her. Intriguing. Um, but anyway, it was, a good, it was a really informative interview, and I do like their, their chef interviews, but there's way too much advertorial on the site. It's, it's definitely worth reading, but it does overall, there's lots of things that I would cut out permanently from that site, but uh, it does make Denver feel like it has a really vibrant food culture. We're going to move on to love and hate. Go back to Jared. Okay, I actually, uh, let me see. Okay, I have a hate, and this is kind of a ranty hate. I don't know if you guys have noticed uh, over the, I think about, Three weeks ago, all of these billboards went up around Denver that has faces of all these politicians. They uh, spend, Barack, they spend, you pay. you pay, and on it is uh, uh, Mayor Hickenlooper, Barack Obama, Ed Perlmutter, Betsy Markey, and John Salazar, all Democrats that are for national seats are, are in competitive races right now. And the site is this site called uh, Who Said You Said, which is a conservative-leaning video site. 
very, very partisan and raises all these concerns about people, namely Hickenlooper and all the apparent deficits that they're going to run up and that the working class Joe is going to have to pay. What annoys me about this is that one of the people who is the public faces of this site is this woman named Mary Smith. She used to be the head of the Republican, Denver Republican Party. So, you know, they put up all these billboards, 80 of them around the city. Who knows how much money they spent on these things? Turn around and I open up the paper and Mary Smith, the same Mary Smith that put up all these billboards or is, w- is with this group that put up all of the billboards, held a fundraiser for John Hickenlooper at Tamayo a few weeks ago, raised $100,000. And uh, there's a photo of him and her posing, smiling, and everything's happy. So to me, it just spoke of like every single cynical, uh, the cynical way in which people with money will just jump across the aisle and not even think about it. And the ways that politicians, as long as they're getting big checks, they don't care what you say about them, even if you put billboards up around the city opposing them. All right, Joel, this week I have some love, and it is for a program run by, I think, the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, where you can literally go on to the SEFD's website and sign up to win free tickets to shows at the Denver Performing Arts, or the DC uh, Denver... Denver Performing Arts Complex. Denver Performing Arts Complex, and I signed up maybe a month and a half ago, thinking it was cool, but not thinking we would get tickets. Got an email maybe three days ago saying that I won two tickets to a showing of the new uh, Dracula play next week. So sweet. Well... Cool. Yeah, well, why don't you we, tell we, us if you're still loving on this after you see the after, play? Yeah, after you see the play, because it might just be that a place so bad no one's watching it. But we will put a link to this uh, to the page where you can sign up All to right. win free tickets. Cool. I'm actually going to love on cranks. Uh, Colorado, you know, we're in no short supply of cranks from you know people who go out on uh, solo missions to kill Osama bin Laden to people who build their own tanks and go ape shit. And I, the guy, Michael Leibovitz, in that profile in the post I, is a very lovable crank, and he's a big dreamer. And I would recommend, I'm going to use this as an excuse to recommend a book I'm reading called Idiot, Idiot America by Charles Pierce. He's one of the panelists on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, uh, the NPR news quiz. And um, it's really interesting polemic about the 24-7 media culture and the uh, opinion news opinion industry and how it's kind of relegated the cranks to a, to a state that they don't deserve. It's a, I can't unpack the argument in the time we have left, but it's called Idiot America by Charles Pierce. Re- if nothing else, read the chapter on cranks. We've got all the cranking we've got time for right now. We are on the web at denverdiatribe.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter at Denver Diatribe is our handle. Uh, for Joel Warner and Jared Mayer, I'm John Dicker, and we are out. 